Hey, welcome to Sunday Afternoon Mama, a podcast designed to help you learn to create a calm and joyful atmosphere in your home. I'm your host, Hannah Riddle, a wife, mom, and former teacher living in the Pacific Northwest. I certainly don't have everything figured out, but I hope to encourage and inspire you to be the best mama you can be. Are you ready to jump in? In this episode, we'll define what weekly rhythm means and explore what that could look like for you, and we'll figure out how to stay flexible when life throws those inevitable curveballs. This is episode 66. Here we go. Well, thank you so much, listeners, for tuning in this week. It's great to be back with you again for another episode. So we're just going to jump right in to this topic, okay? So I'm, I'm pretty excited to talk about this. So why say the word rhythm? right? We're talking about weekly rhythm. Well, it's a Waldorf phrase, a simplicity parenting buzzword, but I do love it because it implies so much. It implies flow, beat, movement, and a guideline for our days that can help eliminate that dreaded decision fatigue. Like, when do I wash the clothes? What about dinner tomorrow night? When should my toddler nap? What do our evenings look like? What are we doing Saturday morning? (laughs) Etc, etc. So I found this great website that I will link in the show notes called Rhythms of Play and They define rhythm as a routine that creates a framework for your day. A daily and weekly rhythm can help you focus and get things done as you flow from task to task. Establish a daily rhythm to get organized, keep your household running smoothly, and find the time to connect with the kids and do the things you love. So I just love that description. It's a framework. It's an outline. It doesn't mean it has to be set in stone because, as we know, stuff just happens. But to have an outline... Remember in school when you had to create your outline before you wrote your paper, like in in high school or something, you had to like create your rough draft, but first came the outline. Like, where is this paper going? (laughs) What are we going to accomplish here? What is the general outline going to be? And that ensures that you have just a, a flow and that it makes sense. And that if you have an appointment, you've marked it down so you don't forget. So to me, one of the best things about thinking of the weekly rhythm in those terms is that it can take the pressure off because goodness knows we have so much pressure on ourselves that we put on ourselves a lot of times, but just from outside sources too. So a weekly rhythm really takes the pressure off. There's less decision-making, as I said at the beginning. It brings order and beauty and structure to your days and your weeks. It can create a comforting routine for you and your family. And lastly, it allows flexibility for sickness, unexpected events, whatever may happen, because you can always jump back on the weekly rhythm train when things get good again or people get healthy again. So for example, uh, when we suffered the epic sickness and head lice incident of 2018, is what I'm calling it. (laughs) I think I've referenced it at least once before. I didn't make it to the gym as much as I wanted. I got less sleep and then I got a stomach flu. That did not help. And I was stressed and overwhelmed for a few days, but we reached out. We got help and support from family. We just prayed our way through that mess and we made it through somehow. So the weekly rhythm was not flowing perfectly for a few weeks and that was okay. And that has to be okay for us. For people, if you're if you're anything like me, it's hard when things get thrown off or you feel off balance or you feel like you're not doing what you want to do in a day, but it's okay to recognize, yeah, we've got this sketch, this outline, this rhythm, this flow, this framework that we work within. And when sickness comes or something happens, 
it's okay. So let's dive into some weekly rhythm ideas. I have a couple of simple categories for us to consider as mamas. I have four categories. I think it's helpful to write these down, really think through your weeks and your priorities. So here's some questions to kind of prompt your thinking process as you think, how do I want to craft a weekly rhythm? And I mean, it's it's like the new year. It's not the beginning of the year. It's not the beginning of the school year, but we're talking about prioritizing rest, prioritizing our family's health and our health. So this is so crucial to consider as weekly rhythm. So what do you want to look back on this year and be proud of? What do you want to look back on and be really happy and glad that you invested time into? What growth do you want to see in your family relationships with your friends? Unless we are intentional and take some time to evaluate our priorities and how we spend our time, the weeks will tick by quickly and we may be left at the end of this year frustrated or puzzled why we didn't connect more with our children or why our health suffered from an overloaded schedule. So, okay, here are the four simple categories. Are you ready? Household, social, kids, and personal. And here's a huge hint as we do this whole thing together. Learn from last year, learn from your mistakes, reflect on what worked and what didn't work. Like this was successful. This made our family get closer together. This, this brought energy and joy, or this did not work. This was too much. Everybody was emotional. Everybody broke down. Everybody got sick. So think through those things as we approach this subject. Louisa May Alcott said, have regular hours for work and play. Make each day both useful and pleasant and prove that you understand the worth of time by using it well. Oh, I love that so much. So let's break these categories down and consider, as she just said, what is useful? What is pleasant? Regular work? Yes, there's stuff that has to get done. There's appointments that we have to go to, but also play just to consider all these elements in our day and in our week. Let's talk about household first. And I just want to encourage you, whether you work outside the home or you stay at home, just think one chore for the day, one main chore. You would be surprised how keeping a cleaning rhythm throughout the week in your home makes everything easier. Oh my goodness. And even those little quick, anything like Gretchen Rubin always says, the one minute rule, anything that takes less than a minute, just do it. (laughs) Do it immediately. Like wipe down the sink when there's toothpaste everywhere or put the towel back on the towel rack. You know what I mean? So this is just going to be a snapshot of what my household rhythm is and I do get to stay at home and I recognize that's not the case for a lot of listeners and a lot of other people so just hear me out that this is just how I think of it that really really does help me because I don't spend hours and hours at home cleaning I don't (laughs) just let me set you free if you've ever thought that (laughs) I do not um just because someone gets to stay home doesn't mean they're you know scrubbing floors all day and you know cleaning toilets so I literally plan one major chore per day and it takes me less than half an hour to accomplish the major task okay so even if you work outside the home if you break this down and there's like one half hour or less thing you do in the evening even if it's a little hard from being you know feeling fatigued or this that if you can break it down this may work for you this may work for you. So Monday, I think of as like a power day. I have the most energy, so I just tackle the most annoying tasks, (laughs) the things that I'm not necessarily loving, but do, do need to get done. So it's things like cleaning all the downstairs floors, just boom. Like I play music. I try to make it fun. My son tries to help. (laughs) So we sweep, we mop, we vacuum, you know, um, I often get groceries at the beginning of the week. And then I wipe down the kitchen before I put the groceries away. Sometimes really quickly, if stuff is, you know, the refrigerators getting crumbs in it and stuff. If you just notice, it's like, yeah, yeah, let's clean that. So just whatever might be the most kind of 
annoying task, just put it at the beginning of the week. That's what I have found has been successful. It's called eating a frog, if you've ever heard that expression. I think it was from Mark Twain, but it's like, do the most icky thing first and then it's done and you don't have to worry about it. On Tuesdays, I clean the rest of the downstairs. Again, this is under half an hour, just like the bathrooms, the dusting, this, that, whatever I didn't do Monday. And then we do have an upstairs and that's what I do on Wednesday, just clean the upstairs. And it's like dusting a little, cleaning the girl's bathroom that they use and tidying up their room a little if it got disheveled, which it often does because they have so many dolls and toys they love to play with and books. And so I just make it pretty that day for them. Um, and then in the evenings, it's the day I iron because my husband has to dress up for work. So he has a lot of really nice shirts that he needs to wear that can't be all wrinkly and look terrible. So I pair the habit of ironing with TV. So it's actually pretty fun. That's like one of our main TV nights. We watch a fun show together and I'm ironing and we chat and it makes it quite fun. Okay. I don't even want to consider ironing in the daytime with my toddler around. It's just not safe. And I, I just don't like to do that. So that's why I do it in the evening, but okay. Moving on to Thursday changing all the bed linens, woohoo, and we've got bunk beds, so that's really fun. (laughs) And then I do some laundry. I mean, I do laundry throughout the week, but I try to save it, you know what I mean? So I'm not doing it every day, just kind of pace myself with laundry. It's, you got three kids, you got a lot of laundry. And then Friday, um, quick tidy of the front and back porch. And that sounds funny, but it's like just sweeping the front porch, making sure the flowers, if there's flowers, are like tended to and just checking on things and wiping down the furniture a little because it gets, you know, it gets icky being outside. And then Saturday, my husband does yard care, like whatever needs done. And we pitch in and help, especially the kids, if there's weeds to pull or whatever. We all are out there as a family. And then Sunday is my rest day. I've just kind of chosen that as my official rest day, Sabbath day. I don't shop. I don't clean. I don't do laundry. I don't work on this podcast. And it's hard because sometimes I want to sneak in a chore or work after church like, oh, but the floors are feeling sticky again. Or, oh, this laundry started to pile up. No, I just don't. (laughs) I just don't. I force myself to abstain from that because I know it's better for my body to have a complete day of rest. And I know it's better for my family if I'm ceasing from that busyness because I can give them my full attention. Notice how I taper major chores. Monday starts out the busiest because I'm just supercharged, ready to go, but I make things easier as the week progresses because inevitably I know I'll get more tired and I'm not going to want to do all the sweeping and mopping and vacuuming on like a Friday or, or the weekend. Now, hear me out. So let's say you have a totally different scenario than me. Here's what I was thinking about with um, if you are a working mama. So another thing you could do is taper chores like this, but just do it in the way that will work for your personality and work for your family. So maybe you do have to do more of a power day and it's this, it's a Saturday morning that you have to get a lot of these chores done because it's not feasible for you to do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever. That's totally fine. All I'm saying is think it through, think about your energy level, and maybe what you do is if your spouse is on board on a Saturday morning, you block out an hour and a half or two hours or whatever to really do everything And then the rest of the day, you're like, now I'm chilling. I'm just relaxing. We're going to go for a walk. We're going to play at the park. We're going to go watch a movie. We're going to, you know, just make the rest of the day fun. I think we get into trouble when we like half do things or like start a little thing, but don't finish. So it's like, if you want to just attack it all (laughs) in the morning, um, when I was working, that's what I did. I didn't do many chores on the weeknights except for the, uh, except for laundry. Now I lived alone and I didn't have kids and everything. It was totally different scenario. But what really worked for me when I was working full-time at two or three different jobs is to do Saturday morning 
I would work out or do something like a walk outside in the fresh air to kind of get myself going. And then I would play music or do something fun as I cleaned my little house. So that could be a really great way to have a weekly rhythm of cleaning for you that, you know, you do maybe, maybe for you, you do a little chore every day and the big chores all stacked on Saturday morning and you time yourself like I'm not doing anything more than one hour. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, And another thing I will advocate real quick in this household category is to get your kids involved so they can make their little beds. All I have our girls do is pull up the covers and straighten the pillows, right? It's easy. They can do that in less than 30 seconds. So I would encourage you, if you are not getting your kids involved and you're doing everything and you feel like just completely burned out, start teaching them and modeling for them like, hey, this is what we do, but we do it together as a family and you're going to pitch in. Why don't you dump the trash from the bathroom into the big trash and here's a, you know, Clorox wipe to wipe down the sink. And I don't know, just little things to get them involved. And especially as they get older. Okay, I've rambled enough about household. (laughs) Let's move on. Okay, there's the social category as you think about weekly rhythm and flow. Now, again, this is totally like personality based, I feel like, because if you're an extrovert, you're like, oh yeah, just bring it on as much as, as much as possible. I want to be around people. But if you're an introvert, you're like, I got to pace myself. I can't say yes too many times or I'm going to feel depleted by the of the week, not energized. So know yourself and know what works for you, but also don't use your tendencies and your personality as an excuse not to socialize and not to reach out to other women, other neighbors, other family members. You know what I mean? So I just... So that's my huge piece of advice here is don't worry about having enough play dates or not doing this enough or, oh no, I didn't, you know, just honestly, you know, it's okay. Just, you know what you're up for, you know, when you're healthy, you know, when your kids are healthy and what's going to be just doable for you. And again, just don't use anything like a personality tendency to like excuse you from ever reaching out (laughs) and opening your home to another mama or a friend or reaching out to a friend that doesn't do a great job of communicating with you, but you know she loves you and you know it's good to be together, right? I've had some times recently where I've gotten together with friends and it's been so good. It just fuels me. It just fuels me for months (laughs) to hang out with some of these wonderful, wonderful, treasured, friends. Okay. So I just want to encourage you, know yourself, pace yourself, but make it a priority. We need each other. We are social creatures. We are social beings and God created us for relationship with each other. Ultimately, of course, with him and then with others. So let's move on to the kids category. Okay. Here's a really like gulp kind of question. Like, do you really know your kids? Do I really know my kids? Do we really know what they love, what they don't love? why they don't love it? Do we know what their favorite cartoon character is? Do we know what sport they love to play? Do we know what music they like to dance to? The key here is just time and attention, being present with them and making sure we aren't rushing and going 100 miles an hour all the time every day. I love this quote by Plato. He said, you can discover more about a person in an hour of play than a year of conversation. A year, isn't that incredible? So here's another question. Do we include downtime and playtime and games with our kids throughout the week? Is there a family game night we do? Is there like, are we playing board games? Are we we down on the ground with our toddler playing tractors for a little bit and just putting the broom away or putting our phone away and looking at them, figuring out what makes them giggle and just engaging with them, right? Speaking words of love and life into them. Um, My daughters too, it's like, what makes them smile so big? What makes them come alive? What stories do they love to listen to? Like we read a lot of times like a story at night and we're really into Little House on the Prairie 
right now. They just love it. They look forward to it, right? And along these lines, it's crucial to ask ourselves, and I've said this before, but how many activities are we going to say yes to in the week, right? And I know this gets so tricky, especially as your kids get older. So I, and I'm honestly not looking forward to navigating those murky waters with our, with our own kids when they're teenagers. But all that to say, just really pray for wisdom about how much to say yes to with your kids, because especially when they're younger and you can help set the pace for them and help them enjoy life and not look back on their early years and their teenagers and be like, whoa, that was a whirlwind. And I was super tired, exhausted, I did X, Y, Z, but I have really nothing to show for it, and I'm kind of burned out. Okay, the last category I had was personal, and that's just everything to do with us mamas. So I want you to think anchors here, and what I mean by anchors is I was reading several blogs about weekly rhythms, and one of them, which is linked in the show notes, said to think of anchor points in your week. What are a few anchor points that typically happen that you can look forward to. And personally for me, this is similar to the Big Rocks concept I talked about way back at the beginning of the podcast by Stephen Covey. I like to anchor the week with my devotional time, workouts, and errands and appointments. Just things that I know I have to do, like I have to get groceries at some point. <laughs> you know, like I have to do it. It's just a weekly rhythm thing. It's okay. I have to have regular checkups with like the dentist or the eye doctor and our kids, our kids do as well. And so those kind of anchor points, like looking at your week, sketching it out, knowing you're going to say yes to three things socially or two things, or maybe just one if you're really introverted and are like, no, one is great. One is just fine. So sketching out these anchors for the week is so helpful. It can eliminate overbuying, like let's say with grocery shopping. If you've anchored that, like here's when I'm going to shop and I've looked through stuff, I know what I need instead of being like, oh, I just thought I'd run to the grocery store and I don't even know what we need, but I think we need milk. And then you get home and you have milk, <laughs> right? Or whatever. So yeah, I, I just think the anchor points concept was really helpful. Brooke McCallery is a podcast host and author who talks about slow living. And she says when crafting a weekly rhythm, ask yourself, she has a lot of questions. I'm just going to put two of them here. But she says, what can't change no matter how much I'd like it to? Kind of that anchor point concept. She talks about the things that are just like an appointment, a meeting, the time that school starts, etc. And she just says, you know, make sure you take these into account when you plan your weekly rhythm and then allow some wiggle room for inevitable delays. She reminds us there are only 168 hours in the week. So how are we using them? Along with anchor points for this personal category, Brooke recommends that we ask ourselves, what are your priorities? Is it exercising before breakfast, which is, that's kind of my priority right now. So I was like, oh yeah, that's me. Or taking the time to eat dinner as a family every night. So really think through and pray about your priorities. And then she concludes by saying, the best thing about rhythms is that there's no need to keep up a rapid tempo if it's the season for a slower tune. Similarly, if you feel the urge for dancing, for growth, for expansion, then up the tempo and dance for your life. Always know that it's your rhythm and you choose the pace and you choose the moves. And I love that picture. Since one of my anchor points is devotional time and working out, I plan these things. I plan them. Otherwise, they will not happen. And this is a common thing for a lot of us. Planning it, scheduling it kind of ensures that it will happen. I love Gretchen Rubin, as you know, and she talks about the strategy of scheduling. She says scheduling is an invaluable tool for habit formation. It helps to limit decision making. It helps us to make the most of our limited self-command. It helps us fight procrastination. And most important, it helps us make time for the things that are most important to us. And that's from her book, Better Than Before. So I use this strategy often and don't laugh, but I have even been known to schedule my fun and rest. Like I, I write it down. <laughs> 
I have to write things like play board games tonight or, you know, in the planner. Otherwise, I literally either just forget or neglect to do it. And as embarrassing as it is to admit that, I know that actually is a lot of us are like this. I also kind of need to be strict with myself about bedtimes and sleep and TV hours and such. So it's powerful to write these things out because they reflect our priorities and Gretchen has also said this very sobering thing uh, <laughs> that gets me every time. She says, how we schedule our days is how we spend our lives. It's so good. Oh, <sighs> So here are some tips and a takeaway for you when it comes to incorporating this concept of rhythm and flow into our weeks. So the first one is to prayerfully articulate your priorities right now in this season. The second tip is to pinpoint what feels off and why. The third one is to adjust your commitments and elements of your week to allow for more rest and joy in time with family and friends. You should not feel suffocated by your weekly rhythm. The fourth point is to identify anchors in the week, things that usually do not change. It could be ballet class on Tuesday or cleaning the floors on Thursday. I would recommend use these four categories we talked about earlier because that can help break it down for our minds and our, as we come up with a weekly rhythm. As mamas, we are responsible for a lot. We tend to be the ones that need to know what everyone's schedule is and, you know, get great food for people and keep the home fresh and orderly. And so, yeah, it's so good to, to identify the anchors first. And the last tip is to sketch out a weekly rhythm and post it somewhere you can see. So if you like, craft one for your kids, maybe let them help depending on their age. Put it in their room as well. It can be super simple, right? It could be like they know that on Fridays they usually have pizza and board games or whatever with the family. Something that's basic but like family movie night on Saturday and we're all gonna have popcorn like our kids love that kind of thing it's so fun it's it's like some of my favorite memories up until this point have been those fun things we schedule and make sure we plan or else they won't happen we have the incredibly weighty responsibility to not pass the curse of busyness down to our children right and it's our job to teach them it's our job to train them how not to overdo it to, to teach them how to pace themselves to honor the sabbath and to rest and rejuvenate so they are not depleted there is a worksheet from the slow home website that i will also link in the show notes to help you with this process and printables and everything so thank you to brooke mccallery who provides that on her on her site it's so good Okay, well, we're going to move on to my favorite things. I just have three little favorite things right now that I just oh, I'm loving so much. So the first one is connecting with so many of you over direct messages. I just so appreciate you reaching out. And a lot of you will say, hey, this really impacted me. Or, you know, thank you for sharing this thing that you did in this episode. And that just means the world to me. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The next one is just my daughter's walking. One time recently, they were walking arm in arm, and I about melted into a puddle on the floor. <laughs> this just was so good to see them getting along and, and building that sisterly bond. And the last one right now is when my son says excavator, it comes out rexerator, and I just love it because he'll be playing with his tractors, and he'll be like, rexerator, where's the rexerator? And he'll like scoop stuff up and move it around, and it's amazing. Well, I have one more quick segment for you today, and it's listener feedback, and this was from a listener, but way back over Christmas, so I'm going to share it right now, though. She said, I just had a chance to listen to episode 59. Thank you for helping me prepare my heart for time with family. It can often be stressful and bring up the memories and baggage of past hurts. This Christmas, I'm going to choose joy and love. I will forgive, listen, and not take things personally. That was just what I needed to hear. Thank you, and Merry Christmas. Oh, 
Thank you so much for sharing that. It's so, it just warms my heart to know that what we're doing is making a difference. And I just so appreciate the feedback. If you have a mom win or some feedback and a good story to share with me, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me at hannah at sundayafternoonmama.com or send a Facebook message or direct message over Instagram. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Sunday Afternoon Mama. Be sure to tune in next week. And please, if you enjoy this podcast, tell a friend or family member so they can check it out too. Good old-fashioned word of mouth is one of the best ways to spread the news. You can also screenshot the episode as you listen and share it to your social media. I'll be back with you next week. And in the meantime, I'm seeking joy and peace with you so we can be better mamas together. Take a deep breath and smile. You've got this. Bye for now, sweet friends.